hooked up on here somehow. If you have your Bibles, be turning to Psalms 42. Psalms 42. I do want to say that I wasn't intentionally uh, misleading you or anyone else. It was my intentions to start the series this evening, but I just um, struggled. I have wrestled all for the past couple weeks, really. Um, I know that the Lord would have us to do it, but just I wrestled so much with the timing, and I just couldn't find peace with it. And so uh, we're going to forego that, uh, Lord willing. We will start it. Uh, the Lord knows when, but I would plan on probably after Christmas. I know there's going to be several interruptions in the evening services coming up. And so with that in mind, but just mainly not having peace with it and not just um, feeling that it was the Lord's timing for that. Uh, right now, I have forgone that. I had my notes laid out and planned on doing that, but we're going to... This evening, deal with just a, a topical sermon, and then, Lord willing, we'll go through a few more hymns. And then after the holidays, if God wills, that's where we will pick up uh, marks of a healthy church. And it's not, I will say this, and just prefacing that series, it's not so much saying, hey, I want to fix things that are wrong with our church. It's almost as if a annual checkup that you'd go to the doctor to know if you are healthy or not, and so we can see where we stand as a church based upon the marks of what a healthy church looks like from Scripture. But this evening I want to deal with the subject of what to do, and it may seem like a strange subject, but what to do when you're down. Because this time of year is a very happy time in many ways for many people, but there are other people that it is a very discouraging time, that it is a very uh, disheartening time. And I do believe that based on personality makeups and just our chemical makeups, some people struggle with discouragement, depression, and discontentment more than others. But wherever you fall on that spectrum, whether this is a happy time for you or whether this is a difficult time for you, and there could be a great many circumstances that contribute to that, even for those of us that may be upbeat most of the time, be happy, and this be a happy time of year. There's a lot going on right now in the lives of many of just our little church, and it can become overwhelming. It can become just almost just crushing if we do not lean upon the Lord. And so my goal would be to help myself, and to help you this evening of when those feelings of discontentment, discouragement, depression creep in, of how to deal with that scripturally and how to pick yourself back up, if you will. We know only the Lord can do that, but He has given us a means to do that through the Holy Spirit and through His Word. And so hopefully we can learn a lesson from the life of David. David was a man that you've seen this evening. I thought of that as we read Psalms 23 he was kind of on a mountaintop, if you will. But here in Psalms 42, he's in a valley. He, was, he never seemed to just be even keel in his life. He was either on, you know, uh, for the lack of better words, a, a spiritual high or at a spiritual low. And sometimes we can be like that. So let's look here at Psalms 42. We will not read the whole chapter because we will go through it. <laughs> by the Lord's help this evening. So we'll read verses 5 through 7 as an introduction. 
says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me, therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and from the hill of Mazar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All the waves and thy billows are gone over me. Verse 8, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto God of my life. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we ask for your help this evening, for within ourselves we can do nothing, and we realize that, and we also understand that the power doesn't lie within us, it lies within the Word of God and through the Spirit of God moving upon those words and impressing upon the hearer. So I pray that you would do just that this evening for the speaker and the hearer alike, that we would hear your words afresh, that we would be mindful of them, that we would apply them to our lives. And as we have just sang, our goal and our intent here is that to hear you speak, O Lord. So may you do just that, and may we respond in the way that would be pleasing to you. Help those that are discouraged, help those that are disheartened, those that maybe are depressed, that you would encourage them, and those that maybe are looking for hope, looking for happiness, looking for joy, looking for these voids to be filled in any other place but you, I pray that you would show them the vanity of that, the emptiness of it, and that for us as believers, when our hope is found in anything outside of you, may we realize that, may you bring us back unto you, and may we find our joy in you again. I pray that your will be done in this service tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, and amen. You know, we all get discouraged from time to time. We all are unhappy. And there are even moments of depression for a great many people and even for Christians. It has been said by some that depression is a deep mood of despair. And we're not talking about just the normal ups and downs of life when we talk about depression. It is much deeper than that. It is not like a storm that comes and just passes and then things resume back to normal, but it's almost as if a fog that lingers and hides the sunshine from us. We get down emotionally and spiritually. And that's where David found himself in writing of the psalm. pastor's been going through the psalms on Wednesday nights, and one of the great helps of any scripture, but especially of those psalms, is to understand the context or when that was written, what was going on in the writer's life at that moment, and it will bring a greater light to the text. And so to understand, many of you are familiar with the circumstances of the writing of this psalm. Maybe you don't know that, but you are. David was running from Absalom at this time frame. And we see that he had many reasons on the outside to be discouraged or to be depressed. But before we go any further, what is depression? And this is not my 
um, definition. This is, this is a list that comes from someone else. But it is a passive, listless feeling. And it's a continual feeling of sadness. It can be an attitude of nothing feels good or worth feeling good about. The state of constant hopelessness. The feeling that no one cares and that no one understands. A continual worry or anxiety. It is more of a continual thing, not something that just comes and goes. We all go through that. But we can tell if we are depressed, someone has said, by several key questions that we would ask ourselves. And like I said, this is not exhaustive, but this is just a list that I came across. It said, you know, about depression and examining yourself or discouraged to see if you're down. And this list has just a few things on here, but number one says, have you lost initiative? Do you have repeated crying spells for no apparent reasons? And I'm not talking about teenage girls. You know, no, I'm kidding. Actually, the girls are really good about that, but uh, I'm only joking. Do you awaken often not to be able to go back to sleep? And like I said, just because we have one of these or two doesn't mean you're depressed. This, some of these things can come from a multitude of things. Do you wake up in the morning feeling fatigued or even dread the day ahead? It can even be exemplified by feeling scattered pain or almost aching all over. And we understand that people are feeling this now, I mean, with this illness going around. So understand that it's not if we got one or two of these symptoms, but... Do you find yourself thinking of your own death? Do you find yourself sighing, just just a huge sigh, and almost feeling a great weight upon your chest? Do you come to the place you distrust your own wisdom and have trouble making decisions, second-guessing yourself, and sometimes irritable or with no no legitimate reason for being this way, kind of being short-fused with others? You know, Rebecca would tell you that would be me and it wouldn't be... Because of depression, that would just be who I am. Do you find yourself unable to be enthusiastic about anything? And before we're too quick to pass judgment on people that are in this state, because this does happen to a lot of people, understand that there can be medical reasons for this, but there can also be spiritual reasons. There can be emotional reasons. But my main focus and focal point in saying that is that it can happen to good Christian people. Before we pass judgment and say, hey, you know, this person, if they were right with God, they wouldn't be feeling like that. Well, if we were right with God all the time, we would have no issues either. But we have our own issues from time to time too. Remember, in Numbers 11, 11 through 15, we find Moses wishing to die, being depressed. You remember in Jonah, there, sitting there under the gourd, wishing to die. 1 Kings 19, verse 4, Elijah, sitting under the juniper tree, asking that God would take him. In 2 Corinthians 1, 8, you see Paul in this state. 
Matthew 11, verses 2 and 3, John the Baptist had become so discouraged that he didn't even know if Jesus was the Messiah and doubt and things of that nature. And I don't say any of that to belittle these men. These are some of the heroes in the faith. These are great men of God that God used greatly. My point is, is if they can be in this state of discouragement, of depression, or feeling just down and disheartened, then you and I could find ourselves in that same state this evening. Even Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, was said to suffer from great bouts of depression. Winston Churchill, one of the great political leaders of his day and time, suffered from it. And we look here where David was at and getting back to the context of David being a man after God's own heart, but yet found himself. You read the Psalms, you will see that David found himself he found himself depressed at times. And that's where he's at. He's in a moment that he just feels overwhelmed with circumstances in life. He has overwhelming circumstances in his life at this moment. Think about all the outward reasons that he had to be depressed here. You and I, before we sit and feel sorry for ourselves, put ourselves in David's shoes this evening just for a minute. In the writing of this, He has lost his son Absalom that has turned his heart from him and has sought to take the kingdom from him and is running for his very life. The king on the run for his life. And to top that off, not only is he running for his life, he's doing it from his very son Absalom that he loved greatly. And Absalom ends up dying. But he also lost his home. He lost his wealth and lost his influence, his power. He's on the run there, not knowing if he would see Jerusalem again. And on, to top that off, he had sinned against God greatly. We all know what he did there with Bathsheba and then having Uriah killed. And then because of this, the judgment of God upon that sin, he lost his infant son, remember? His daughter was raped, his wife was abused, one of his wives was abused, and his daughter was raped by one of his sons, Amnon, and Amnon was killed. And the nation that he was the king of was in severe turmoil. David, if he was living today at this moment, if he were to go to a doctor and he would have told him what's going on, if he would have just read Psalms 42 to the doctor... They would have given him, they would have labeled him clinically depressed. He met many of the criteria that we read about just a few moments ago from that list of what people say depression is. But look in verse 1, he says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He felt as if God had forgotten him, if the, as if God had left him, had forsaken him. And we know this to not, be able, uh, to not be the case, that it is unable for God to forget his children. It is against his nature, against his character, and against what he has revealed in his word that he would do. He's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He is, and so, but yet... It doesn't take away the feeling that he had toward this. His soul had these deep yearnings of thirst 
for the things of God. Someone has once said that he was in a spiritual drought or that he was spiritually dry. He had a spiritual dryness. His desire, he says, as the heart or a deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. See, there was moments in David's life, and he alludes to that in just a moment, when he didn't have to pant after the presence of God. He sensed the presence of God. He knew God was present with him. But at this moment in his life, he felt as if God was not present with him. You and I can experience these same things. It doesn't change the fact that God is omnipresent and on top of his omnipresence in a general sense being present everywhere, that he is especially present in, the, in his children's life. As been, we've been reminded of even this morning there in First John, but sometimes we don't sense that. We, because of maybe sin in our lives or other things going on, we sense that God is not, and we, but it should be our heart's desire. We should have a thirst. The, the Bible says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. For what? For they shall be filled. And so David was longing for, he said, My soul panteth after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come? and appear before God. At this moment, he's on the run. He doesn't know if he's going to go back to the kingdom that he once ruled over. He doesn't know if he's going to see Jerusalem again. He doesn't know if he's going to go in the temple where they sense the presence of God in a special way. He doesn't know if he's going to see, uh, hear the people singing the praises of God and to see God move in that way. And he says, My soul thirsteth. For God, for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? So we all have these blue moments, or but when those moments are continual, when that is a constant way of life, it is kind of a different thing. This is where David was at this moment. It wasn't just a, a short little period of his life, but it had consumed his life at this moment. Look in verse 3. He says, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? He says, my tears have been my meat. He was almost as if he was eating and drinking his own tears continually because of the people mocking him. Where is your God? This is, you know, David, a man after God's own heart. The one that has slew thousands and ten thousands. And yet, look at him here. What can he do now? And so he was in great distress. He said, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? You can imagine here maybe even some of his own shame and guilt maybe from the sin that had been committed in his life and them mocking him, how he would have felt. He was in despair here. David had overwhelming circumstances. He had felt that those good times that he had once experienced were lost and possibly lost forever. 
Look what he says in verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise and with a multitude and kept the holy day or the festivals, if you will. He looked back at the better days and almost felt as if there was no hope in the present or in the future. We've all maybe been there, and I don't mean any disrespect in this, but I do like to listen to people talk about the, the days gone past in church settings and in the um, good things of the church. But may we not lose heart and not think that the same God that allowed those days and times to come is the same God that we serve today. If we get so focused on the past and just living in the past and we don't live out what God has called for us in the present and in the future, we will not have any of those memories to pass on to our children and our grandchildren and our posterity. And so there's nothing wrong with looking back at the past, but maybe not stay there, whether it's good or bad. You remember Paul said he pressed on toward the high calling of Jesus Christ, toward the mark there. He didn't allow the things of the past to discourage him and cause him to be defeated but may we learn lessons from the past and move on, good and bad. Verse 5, the text that we read as our introduction, he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I will remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and of the hill of Mazard. I found it interesting, and many of you may have already known this, but in my ignorance I did not, that the Jordan River was called the River of Death. And the Jordan River, Jordan literally meaning descent or judgment. And the Jordan River has its head, its start, there on Mount Hermon, and it flows down into the Dead Sea. It is at about, to what I had read and understood, at about 9,000 feet above sea level is where it starts. And then the Dead Sea down here at 13,000 feet below sea level, that's where it ends up. And he says here, look, he says, Deep calleth unto deep, and at the noise of thy waterspouts, or waterfalls, all the waves and thy billows are gone over me. So in essence, what he is saying to some degree, that he's been up on the mountain, he has been at the head of where Jordan started, but he felt like he was being taken by this waterfall, being taken down, and there was no good to come from it, that it was just being overwhelmed and many of us can feel like that from time to time if we get our focus off of the Lord and on the wrong things. And so I don't mean any disrespect in, in that, but we can get there. David was there, but he didn't stay there. And so may we not stay there. Look what he says, Deep calleth unto deep. And at the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and billows are gone over me. Think about all the circumstances that was in David's life at this moment. Can you, many of you have kind of just, before you can get one problem resolved, it seems like another problem arises. Or before one tragedy is 
happened, then there's something else that hits you. And you know what it's like to be hit on every side and every way with life and just to feel overwhelmed. Well, that's where David was, and so we're in good company here this evening. And so in typology, Jordan has been a picture of death and despair. David felt as though he was being washed over by the circumstances. He was overcome by his problems, and he didn't know where to turn. And sometimes we can get that way. So what do we do in these moments? Well, we can be thankful to God that we don't have to stay in that in that state. We don't have to stay in that depressed state. That He has made a solution for depression, and not only depression, but for death, hell, and the grave, and that is in the person of Jesus Christ. God has made a provision for those. First of all, He tells him here in verse 5 through 7, we won't read it again for the sake of repetitiveness, but He says, why are the He starts to talk to himself. He starts to look within. So if you find yourself discouraged, you find yourself d- depressed, downhearted, first of all, look within. That's what he says. Oh my soul, why art thou cast down? He, sa- he starts to talk to himself. And I know we normally call people crazy that talk to themselves, but do you know each and every one of us talk to ourselves? You talk to yourself more than anybody else talks to yourself. And I talk to myself more than anyone else does. And in many times, it's not good in the sense that we do that. It is the unregenerate portion of us that will speak to ourselves. It will say, well, you're of no use. Or there's no hope. Or, you know, after what you have done or what you haven't done, that God can't use you or God would not do use you. But that's where... David is, and he says, he starts to, rather than allow his unregenerate soul to speak to himself, he starts to question himself. He starts to summon himself and say, why do I feel this way? Why is my soul cast down? The first place to start if you find yourself discouraged and disheartened and downtrodden is to summon your soul and find out why you're in that state. What is it that has put you there? Is it sin? Or is it just the overwhelming circumstances of life? And understand, no matter what the case, God is not the author of sin. We understand that. We know that. But God is sovereign over everything and even will use the sin for His glory and His honor. And so I say that to say that wherever you're at in life or wherever you're in the state you're in, God has allowed us to be there. And He won't leave us there by ourselves. He's put us there for a reason. It's for our good and His glory. How do we know that? Romans 8, 28. And so we can take comfort in that, knowing that God has allowed us to be there. But David says to himself, Why art thou cast down? He looked within and analyzed his heart for the reasons of this. This is where you have to take control of yourself rather than letting self take control of you. Because... The old nature, the old man will try to rule and reign in your life. And Satan will try to come alongside and to aid in that. And that's when we have to lean on the Holy Spirit and upon the power of God and not upon the flesh. It can be caused by a great many things. 
And if it is caused by sin we've committed, and we're haunted by that guilt, we need to confess it to the Lord. And we need to ask for His forgiveness. And as I said, move on. We should close the door on it and move forward. But not only should we look inward... That's just the start of it, to summon and say, why am I in this state? But that's not enough. Just to find out why you're where you're at, now you've figured out the problem, or maybe, or you have answered why you're in that state, but that doesn't offer the solution. The solution is found in not looking inward, but looking upward. The problem is we have too much of a self-focus oftentimes. We may look inward, but we don't look upward. We don't look to the Lord. In these things. Look in verses 7 through 9. Oh, we won't read verse 7, but we'll start in verse 8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I a mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? We should look upward and realize that our help can only come from God. You know, I may not understand where you're at in life. You may not understand where others are at or I'm at in life. But God does understand. He has been in our shoes. He is sovereign. He is omniscient. He is God of very gods. And He came and robed this flesh and He has suffered just as we have suffered. And yet He understands where you're at. He has been touched with our infirmities. And so we can take solace in knowing that we can find help in knowing that God understands. But not only does He understand, He cares for His children. Someone has said, I think it was maybe Warren Wiersbe, I don't know, I don't want to give credit where credit is due. I believe it was Warren Wiersbe that said that Christians, that we live not by explanations, but by the promises of God. Sometimes we try to figure out why things are happening in our lives, rather than not worrying about why, and just saying, God, what would you have me to learn? Help me to act in a way that would be pleasing to you. We don't live by explanations. God doesn't owe us an explanation, but we are to trust His promises. I think, I don't, once again, I don't remember, but maybe it was Adrian Rogers once said, when you can't trace God's hand, you can trust His heart. How true that is. When you don't know what's going on, you don't know why you're in the circumstances, you don't know what's, why all this has came about, you don't have to understand all that to have a good outcome. What we have to do, what we're instructed to do, is to trust God in those moments. It doesn't take a lot of faith to trust the Lord when we can see the outcome or we know what He's doing. But we walk by faith, not by sight. And so when we don't know what God is doing, it's when we're to trust Him. David didn't know at this moment if he was ever going to go back to Jerusalem. Matter of fact, I would contest with you based upon reading the narrative there in Samuel that he thought that Absalom was going to become the king. And therefore he thought that he wasn't going to go back. And yet he says, let him do what seemeth good in his eyes. 
So although we may feel like, as David did in verse 9, why hast thou forgotten me? We may feel that God has forgotten us. We can understand that God has not forgotten. As I said, it's easy to trust God when we can see maybe where things are going, but it's difficult when we don't understand why. But we can lay hold to knowing that we're there by God's appointment. We're in His keeping. We're under His training and in His time. You're in the circumstances you're in. We're going through the, all the things that are happening right now by God's appointment. But God has not left us to go through it alone. He says, I'll go through it with you. And He's got a purpose in it. And it has a time. Some of the sweetest words in the Scripture, and you may find this humorous, but to me, I really mean this. When you read, oftentimes, and it came to pass... That what, the bad times, the good times, they will come to pass. They will come and go. But God is consistent forever. God is good all the time. We say that, but sometimes we're called to live that. So no matter how bleak the circumstances, God is with us. And because of that, there is hope. He says uh, several times in this passage, Hope thou in God. And that's not just I wish type of hope, but it's with a steadfast expectancy. It is expecting something from it. He says in verse 9, I will say unto my rock, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I in mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted with me, within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Friends, tell you, remind you of something you already know. There's only hope in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you know why sometimes we feel hopeless? Because we're looking for hope and answers in the wrong places. And I say we. Sometimes we get discouraged because the place we're trying to find encouragement is not in the Lord. May we find our hope in where only hope can be found, and that is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Pastor mentioned this morning, where is joy found? True joy, according to 1 John 2, I believe verse 4, it's in fellowship with God. True joy can only be found in the presence of God and walking with Him. And if we have lost our joy, we find ourselves discouraged, it could be that we're not walking with the Lord as we should be, that we're not in fellowship with Him. Now, not always does it mean that. But God will never be satisfied with us until our desire 
God will never be satisfied till our desire is for Him and Him alone. And you know what? For the true Christian, you will never be satisfied until your desire is in God and God alone. And the same for me. When I say that, I've got three fingers pointing right back at me if I say you. We, as a believer, will never be content and happy unless our satisfaction is found only in the person of Jesus Christ. God won't allow us to be happy any other way. And we can have moments of it, but they will fade. But true joy is found in satisfaction in a walk and fellowship with Jesus Christ. For those of us that find ourselves from time to time, maybe during this season, discouraged or even happy, you may not be in much different state, those of us that are happy in these moments, than those that are discouraged. Because if that happiness and that joy is found in just the things of this world, just in this little short time frame of the next month, that's an unstable joy. That's an unstable happiness. What will you do when these days pass? You'll find yourself right back in that instability of unhappiness, discouragement, and discontentment. But in the presence of God, that cannot be. When we are walking with the Lord and we know that He is there, we can find ourselves encouraged in spite of the circumstances. So come what may, things may get even tougher. We may have more come in a negative sense. But may we seek to stay close to Jesus Christ through it all. Because that's where true joy, true peace, and true happiness is found, is in walking with the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. I pray that you would... Speak to our hearts that you would help us to find encouragement in you, that we would look inward, but we would ultimately look upward and look onward, not just be self-focused, but that we would get our focus off ourself, our circumstances, and upon you. For that is where our hope is found. That is where salvation comes from. It doesn't come from within. It doesn't come from without. But it comes from Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. And thank you for those that you have used to pen words to give us illustrations, even through their own difficult times that can be an encouragement to us. Pray that we would walk in a way that would be pleasing to you, that our joy may be full, and that ultimately we would be satisfied with nothing else outside of you and you alone. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And amen. Pastor. Well, I do believe the Word of God spoke to every one of our hearts because we've all gone through discouraging times. There are times we have doubts. There are times we are down and depressed. I believe everybody's been there. And if you have things that where God is working in your heart and dealing with you concerning this message, you need prayer, you need uh, help, uh, Brother Josh is up front here. We're going to give a hymn of invitation. Pray you just simply respond as the Lord so leads. So let's stand and sing the solid rock. My
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath is covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. I want to add just a little comment. Years ago I went to church, and Sister Jana might remember it over in Winchester, there was a man named Mike, I don't remember his last name, but he would speak to his soul. He'd question himself and say, soul? Do you want to go here? you want to go there? He, he would literally talk to himself like that. And I noticed in that psalm it says, Hope thou in God. And there are times we need to speak to our soul and we need to point the direction back to our hope. And that's in God and God alone. You know what? That strength comes from him. Hope comes from him. He is the health of our countenance. It's a good message, Brother Josh. Appreciate that. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer and pray the Lord would bless you and keep you through this week. May he keep you in good health because so many have already been affected with sickness. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that's been spoken tonight and the encouragement we get even from saints who have gone to be with you and they have gone through life and had much discouragement. Lord, we can see our hope is in you. The circumstances of life, the ups and downs, the valleys, the hills, Lord, we're going to encounter times, and you know our spirit, how often we might get downcast. Help us ever to be in remembrance of your presence and your power. You've promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Help us, Lord, to keep our focus and our hope in you. We give you thanks for all you've done and all you're going to do. We just pray your blessings upon us, that you would keep us from harm, restore health and strength to those who are feeble, that they might return to be with us to glorify your name. 
Thank you for all you're going to do for Christ's sake. Amen.